Hi, everyone. It's Ayana of Ayana Explains It All. Episode three will be covering the evil monster that is codependency. Now, I will be going over several forms of toxic people, and codependent people are toxic, unfortunately. But in the meantime, I hope you all have enjoyed the first few episodes of the podcast. Ayana explains it all. Last week, we covered why Muslims don't celebrate Valentine's Day. And I'm sure you went into it thinking it was one thing and it was something else. And I hope that you were pleasantly surprised with the conversation about Valentine's Day and love, loving other people, self-love and all of that good stuff. And I wanted to let you know that before you could ever get to loving someone else properly and loving yourself properly, you might need to get yourself together on what your behavior is like and try to figure out why you choose the wrong people, the wrong friends, the wrong job, the wrong mate. And it can be because you're a codependent person. And so we're going to talk about that today. Um, I wanted to first say hello to my daughter. She discovered my podcast when she was on my Instagram, wondering if I had posted anything funny lately. And I have. I'm I'm a pretty funny person. But uh, she wanted me to say hello to her, so I did. Hi. Hi, Zari. So let's get into it. Episode three, codependency. Now, I was thinking about how to start this off and... What I came up with is thinking of when did you learn the different parts of a story? Every story has several elements that comprise the tale in the book or of your life. There's a setting, plot, characters, conflict, resolution, a theme. The characters are key to the story. The protagonist, the hero, the antagonist, the person who's causing trouble, supporting characters, people who are present to usher the story along. At different points of the story of your life and of others around you, you may play different roles. You're not always going to be the protagonist, even in your own story. Sometimes you're going to be the person who's fucking things up for yourself. Yes. You may be the villain, the hero, the supporting friend, or the bystander. There is a tendency, however, in our story to paint ourselves as the protagonist, as the hero, or even as the victim, which is worse. We're either rescuing everyone and solving all the conflicts or everything is happening to us. And we use this to gain attention and favor from people. And we don't want to be fixed because if we're fixed, then we can't get attention. Being broken gets you attention. And as Malcolm X says, I am for the truth, no matter who tells it. Well, here's some truth for you. Sometimes you're the villain. Yeah. And when you're not the villain, you're the victim playing people to gain their confidence, trust, admiration of you. Would it surprise you to learn that you may be worse than the villain, but a toxic person, Captain Codependent, is what I like to call us. Yeah, I used to be codependent. Oh, to a fault, to an ugly degree. 
Absolutely. And when I started in therapy, that is my most recent stint in therapy. <laughs> it's been a few. <laughs> it takes a lot to get it right, as the song goes, when you're learning the facts of life, okay? My therapist told me to read a book called Codependent No More, How to Stop Controlling Others and Start Caring for Yourself. It's a book by Melody Beattie. My therapist, right off the bat, after that hour, she immediately identified me as a codependent. I thought, <laughs> girl, bye. I ain't no codependent, nothing. Leave me the hell alone. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm fine. I'm just depressed and anxious. And I have PTSD and da 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 and on and she said, fine, but some of that depression, some of that anxiety is because you're a people pleaser. It is because you are always trying to please people. You're always seeking the approval of other people in your career, in your love life, in your home life, when you raise your kids, what you should do. You're seeking approval from your friends, your parents, your siblings, even strangers. She said, basically, codependency is not something that you have. It's something you are, and usually it leads to depression and anxiety. And that makes sense because when you're trying to please people and the things you're doing aren't making them happy, well, then you're going to feel rejected. You're going to internalize that and you're going to see that as a referendum on you and who you are and you're going to feel worthless. You're going to feel ugly. You're going to feel like you don't matter to them. You're going to feel all these different things about yourself because you have taken that rejection to heart. So let's get into the definition of codependent. In her book, Melody Beattie, defines a codependent person as one who has let another person's behavior affect him or her and who is obsessed with controlling that person's behavior. And codependency is an emotional, psychological, and behavioral condition that develops as a result of an individual's prolonged exposure to and practice of a set of oppressive rule. Rules that prevent the open expression of feeling as well as the direct discussion of personal as well as interpersonal problems. Wow, my God. So essentially the rules are what's stifling you. They're smothering you. They're keeping you from expressing yourself. They're keeping you from identifying as who you really are. They're keeping you from being who you really are. You're living by these rules and you're obsessed with them and you're obsessed with pleasing people. So you're going to follow these rules. Now, this is a problem that we'll, we see often in organized religion. I mean, for me, Islam is perfect. I love it. But the people who practice Islam are not perfect. In fact, some of them can be quite um, villainous and evil. And yes, they're codependent. And yes, they are what I'll talk about next week, narcissists. And yes, they make people feel oppressed 
and they use the rules of the religion to oppress people when it's far from that. Islam is one of the most peaceful, liberal, wonderful, amazing religions, but it's been distorted and it's been used to make people feel like they can't express themselves, like they can't be who they want to be. That's the people doing that. That's not the religion doing that. That's the people. And you know why it's the people? Because those people are toxic or those people are codependent, narcissistic. They're the victim. They're the egomaniac. Mental Health America of Northern Kentucky and Southwest Ohio in its paper on codependency states that many people define codependency by their behaviors, which may include one, always being attracted to alcoholics, drug addicts, or other similarly needy and emotionally unavailable people. Two, feeling as if they must be in a relationship with someone, anyone, for their lives to be worthwhile. Three, trying to control others' behaviors, especially loved ones. Four, feeling as if they are incapable of ending a relationship they know is not good for them or that they are unhappy in trying to please everyone else and never taking time for themselves or even forgetting that they need to take care of themselves. Now, this has been me. This has been me time and time and time again. And I know that this has been some of you. If you're a person who is the child of an alcoholic or a drug addict or someone who was physically, emotionally abusive, or someone who had to take care, you had to be the adult. You had to be the one taking care of people. You had to be the one who made sure that there was breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and that you got off to school on time, and that you did your homework, and that, 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 and on and on and on. You had to do that because the adult who was supposed to be in charge of you couldn't do it for you. They didn't have it to do it for you. They weren't available emotionally, physically, or because they were always high or drunk. They weren't available to you at all. And maybe you're, you're in a relationship right now or you've been in a relationship that you know is so bad for you. Like this person is talking crap to your face. They're putting you down, they're cheating on you, they're, you know, the betrayal, the, the verbal abuse, but because you need to be with someone so badly, because you don't like being alone, you don't want to be alone, you can't leave, you don't leave, you won't leave. That is harmful. Having to take care of yourself as a child, that is harmful. So what do you think happens when you grow up? What do you think happens when you end that relationship that's bad for you? You're just going to get into another bad relationship because you haven't learned anything. Yeah, you left. Good for you. Great. That's just step one. There are all these other steps because you don't want to get into another bad relationship. And when you're that child having to take care of yourself as a child, when you grow up, Oh, you're going to be someone who does not trust anybody. You're going to be someone who is scared all the time. You're going to be someone who, if you even have children, 
you're not going to know how to relate to them because you were never able to be a child yourself. So a lot of times in therapy, what therapists will do is tell you to work on the inner child and then work on the adult. Because if you are trying to work on the adult without addressing what the child went through or what that child was feeling all those times they were disappointed or made to feel like they had to please someone unreasonably or take care of someone who should have been taking care of them. If you don't deal with that, you're not going to understand what the hell's going on with the adult. You're not going to understand why you get into these bad relationships. You're not going to understand why when you go to work, you're letting someone put all the work on you. You're people pleasing at work. You're going, oh, no, I don't mind staying late. No. Or no, I don't mind taking a pay cut, no. Or no, I don't mind starting my salary at less than what I'm worth. Oh no, I don't mind being called on when I have the most knowledge in the room. That's you. In her book, Codependent No More, Beatty writes that many codependents at some time in their lives were true victims of someone's abuse, neglect, abandonment, alcoholism, or any number of situations that can victimize people. We were at some time truly helpless to protect ourselves or solve our problems. We began to see ourselves as victims. Our painful history repeats itself. As caretakers, we allow people to victimize us and we participate in our victimization by perpetually rescuing people. Now, whew, Lord have mercy. That's a lot right there. The rescuer. Yes, I have to pick everybody up. I have to fix everybody. I have to fix everyone's problems. I have to be the one who's always loaning people money. I have to be the one who's always, you know, paying the bond for your friends. Or you have to be the one who's always, when somebody's in trouble, you're always there. You're always there for them. Doesn't matter what time of day it is. Doesn't matter what you're in the middle of. You're there. You're putting on your cape and you're fucking running. You're throwing yourself off of a building to fly there to get to them. Never mind what you have going on. But then you do that and you'll complain. Well, I'm always doing things for people. I'm always having to drop everything that I'm doing and taking care of people. Well, guess what? You don't have to do that. You choose to do that. You do not have to be the caretaker. You don't have to be the one who's fixing people. You don't have to be the one who's res rescuing people, but you do it. Because when you were a child, you were abused, you were mistreated, you were used so badly, you were someone's fucking dish rag. And so when you became older, you became what you needed people to be for you. You become the rescuer and the fixer because you know what it's like to be victimized and have no one help you. And I've touched on this. Um, I touched on this in the introductory podcast episode. And I mentioned briefly my history of childhood sexual abuse and childhood physical abuse. And something happens when you talk about those things is that you have to talk about the players. 
You can't talk about the story as something that happened to you. No, it's something someone did to you, someone specific. And for me, it was multiple people. And for me, it was this was continuing to happen and nobody would do anything about it. And when you say that, people get very angry because they know you're talking about them. And how dare you talk about them? And how dare you tell your family business? But listen, in order to understand the adult and fix the adult, you got to fix the child. And this is what happened to the child, me, the child. And so when I got older, fuck yeah, I was trying to fix everybody. I could take a man who was broken and fix him into a fucking Academy Award statue. That was me. Helping with the homework because these, you know, if he's in college, helping him with his homework, helping him find a job, helping around the house, doing this, doing that, going here, going there, losing sleep, trying to make sure he was the best version of himself. Meanwhile, I was suffering. I was suffering because I wasn't taking care of myself, because I wasn't focused on myself, because I wasn't looking after myself. We do this with friends, too, right? You take the, the Cinderella who's sitting at the, at the fireplace with the ashes on her face and you turn her into the beautiful girl at the ball with the ball gown and the fancy. I mean, you're just, you do that and you're so proud of yourself. Okay, so what happens when that friend dumps you? How do you feel? You feel worthless. You feel like you've been victimized again. You feel like you've been abandoned. And the whole time you've been putting your opinion and you're trying to control this person and control their behaviors and you change their hair and you, you know, help them change their life and their attitude and their clothes and da 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 You were controlling them. But they left you. So who are you left to control? There's no one. You'll find someone. But what you really need to do is figure out why you're like that. Why are you like that? Why are you the person who's fixing people? Why aren't you fixing yourself? Why aren't you making sure your clothes look good? Why aren't you making sure your hair looks good? Why aren't you making sure you have, you know, your hobbies and our activities, you get to go off and do that, right? Parents, we do this a lot because obviously we have to. But we don't have to give 100% of every ounce of ourselves and our time to our kids to the point that we're exhausted. We don't have anything left for ourselves, not even on a weekend. When you don't have to work, what are you doing? You're spending 8, 10, 9, 15 hours doing things with the kids. And that's great. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. You're a great parent. But who are you as a person? When those kids leave, because they're going to leave, hey, they might come back too. <laughs> but when they leave, who are you? Is that when you're finally going to be able to do the things that you love to do? Go the places you love to go? What if, you know, the last kid leaves and you drop dead right then? Oh, well, at least my kids are going to grow up and be good people and good. they'll be good in society. But guess what? Growing up, your children did not see you in healthy, functioning relationships. Your children did not see you traveling. Your children did not see you enjoying life. Your children did not see you 
um, going out on your own. And yeah, my mom has a night. They didn't see you do anything except be in the house, take care of them, be at the games, be at the, the cheer competitions, be at the dance competitions, be at the music recitals. That's all they saw from you. They saw you being the parent who cooks and cleans, being the person who does all of that's what they saw from you. They didn't see you interacting with your spouse. They didn't see you interacting with other adults. They didn't see you doing things that show that you were healthy and fun and wonderful and that you were okay and things were okay. And yeah, they appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. But what do you have left when they're gone? And this is the same for people who are caretakers of a disabled person, someone who can't take care of themselves. Your life becomes their life. Your life becomes completely entangled in these people. And yeah, they need someone to take care of them. Absolutely. Sometimes you're going to have to hand that off to somebody else. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. No, no, no. You're not going to relinquish control to anyone because number one, you don't trust anybody. Number two, they're not going to want anyone around but you because that's all they've been seeing. And number three, how do you know they're going to be treated well? Because you're the only one who can treat them well. You're the only one who could do for them the things that they need. But at the same time, when was the last time you got your hair done? When was the last time you went to a concert or on a trip? When was the last time you went on a date? When was the last time you, you know, you joined a club and everything was great and fun and you had a good time and you were living? When was the last time you did that? You can't do it because you're busy taking care of these people. And yeah, they need taken care of. But sometimes you're going to have to hand that off so that you can go and take care of yourself. And I've seen this many times. I work in disability law. I see this all the time. There are family members who have to step up and take care of the person. Do everything for these people. I read these stories and I'm like, sheesh, I wish I had somebody who cared enough for me to fucking button the buttons on my shirt, to tie my shoelaces, to brush my hair. There are people who step up and step in to do so much for other people. It's incredible, but it's also exhausting. It's exhausting. You're going to have to hand that off. You're going to have to hand it off. You're going to have to relinquish control. It's, it's hard. It's going to be hard. Everyone says this all the time. Oh, it's easier said than done. Well, fucking duh. I've used a lot of F-bombs. Let me tell you, the subject of codependency just gets me off my nutter. (laughs) Oh, gosh. One thing that uh, Melanie Beattie points out in her book, she says that codependents quite succinctly react. They overreact. They underreact but rarely do they just act. They either throw a big tantrum when something goes wrong or something doesn't go their way and they're crying and, you know, they're all out of sorts, carrying on, as the people would say. 
or they do nothing when they should be doing something. They're so nonchalant and completely out of touch. They're not, they're not there. Your kid gets into trouble at school. You don't do anything about it when you should. You shouldn't get, you know, get the strap, beat the crap out of them. No. You shouldn't just be like, oh, kid, don't do that again. No. You discipline them. You figure out what went wrong. You figure out what they did. You take the right steps to discipline the child and rectify their behavior. But one thing that codependents also do is that they rarely behave normally at the news of someone's big or small problems or their big or small um, issues. They become filled with sorrow, worry, abundant care, and they have to fix everything immediately. Back to being the fixer. Got to fix everything immediately. Because codependents strive for perfection. Everything has to be perfect around me or I, I, don't, I can't rest. I'm anxious. I used to do this thing where when I came home, if the house didn't smell good, I would lose my shit because that meant that there was something dirty in my house and I can't have anything dirty in my house because if there's something dirty in my house, then it's going to attract bugs. And when people come over, they're going to go, oh, your house stinks. People are going to think less of me because my house smells. So I, I have to, I have, I was always buying these little scent packets and, you know, air fresheners and da, 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 da. And most of the time it was the, the trash in the kitchen, but it was like, oh, I can't be comfortable until my house smells good. And it's like, girl. Are you serious? You just drove all this way from work to come home just to get up and out of sorts about the smell of your house? How about you put your shit down, rest for a second, because where I work at, I work 41 miles from my house. How about you just put your stuff down, take a breath, take a breather, say hello to your kids like a, you know, like they're normal people. Hi, kids. How are you? Not, why does my house smell like chicken shit? <laughs> Lord. Oh, gosh. Let's see, but that's just it. Codependents don't know how to react normally to normal things. And it's okay if you want to act abnormally to abnormal stuff, like someone kicks you in the head, you kick them in the head. You can react abnormally to abnormal things. That makes sense. But when you're acting abnormally to normal stuff, just normal everyday things, somebody cuts you off on the freeway, somebody doesn't say excuse me to you at the store, and you're like, I'm going to fucking blow your head off. That's abnormal. It's wild and it's dangerous. It's abnormal. And this behavior can be present in many settings, as I've said. Home, work, social gatherings. Codependents are essentially wimps sometimes. They could be overbearing, but they can also be wimpy because they're happy to help. Because again, they want to fix. They want to be perfect. Everything has to be perfect. They're happy to help. They're happy to do more than their share of work. They're happy to pay for meals every time a group of friends go out. They're happy to take less pay than they are worth, as I said before. And as Beattie states in her book, 
They are people pleasers and shoot for perfection. And I'm going to keep saying that because there are a lot of us out there who are people pleasers who are trying to make everything perfect because if everything is perfect, then we can relax. Then uh, the people around us will like us because we fulfilled all of their needs and we've made life comfortable for them and wonderful for them. But then... We become angry and resentful because we're not getting the kudos and the praise. The person who wants to be the hero of your story is not made the hero of your story. And they're pretty pissed off because look at all the things I did for you. Look at all the things I did, all the places I went. I can count. I can't even count. I've done so much for you. I've given you so much money and I've watched your kids and I've done this and that. And why aren't you returning it by praising me up and building me up and making me look like I'm the best person in your life? And why aren't you doing that? They become angry and resentful at you because you didn't give them the reaction that they believe they deserve. Well, let me tell you something right here, right now. You are only responsible for yourself. People can feel however they want. Those are their feelings. Their feelings are not your feelings. You don't have to adopt the feelings and thoughts and opinions and beliefs of other people. You have to have your own feelings, thoughts, opinions. Yours, your own You don't have to take on those of other people. Somebody comes to you and say, why did you do that? I don't like it when you do that. You say, oh, why do you care if I do this? Then they'll shoot some lame excuse back at you because you don't have to justify anything to anybody. You don't. Not what you do with your money, not what you do with your time, not what you do with anything else. There might be some little people, some kids who might need you to be accountable to them because you're responsible for them. But adults, oh, fuck them. And I say this all the time. (laughs) People who follow me on social media know how sick I am of other adults. I see a lot of excuse making for adult behavior, violent behavior, abusive behavior, a lot of excuse making for violent language directed at people, racism, sexism, abuse. And it's, it's sickening. It is sickening. Do not excuse the bad acts of other adults. Do not do it. Number one, because people need to own the shit that they do. Number two, you didn't do it. And chances are, they probably did it to you. I was in um, Target today. And you know how Target is. There's so many fucking people in Target any given time. There are people everywhere. People all in the... Me, if someone is in my way, I will say, excuse me. And then I'll, I'll move by. What I've seen, and this is mostly from women. I really need women to stop doing this. Women will apologize When I say, excuse me, don't do this. You didn't do anything wrong. The aisles in Target are small and they're not big enough for four or five people and four or five carts. That's just the way it is. You didn't do anything wrong. Why are you apologizing? And I always go, no, you're okay. Don't, I'm I'm just trying to get by. 
because it pains me that people apologize for just standing somewhere. <laughs> if you're in my way, I will ask you to move. You don't have to apologize. And not even if you're in my way, if you're in the aisle and I need to get through, I don't want to hit you with my cart. I don't want to hit your little baby with my cart and the baby stroller. I don't want to bump your purse and make you feel like somebody trying to rob you. No, I want to get through without hurting anybody. You don't have to apologize to me. I'm just trying to look out for me and for you. You don't need nobody looking out for you either. But you also don't need me to hit your Achilles heel <laughs> with this shopping cart. Aye, aye, aye. One of the, um, the hallmarks of a codependent person, as Beatty talks about in her book, is that they are obsessed with the people they care about. Lord, have, woo. when you ask them how they feel in a particular situation, like if you have an argument with someone, or if you're having, you know, a contentious debate with somebody, you ask them how that person feels, person one feels. They'll tell you how person two felt. They can't voice their feelings because they don't know. They can't access them because no one has ever, they haven't even bothered to care about what they feel because they're always concerned with what other people feel. They are not in the present, in their own feelings, owning their own behavior and expressing their feelings. And now that we've covered why your ass is a codependent, how do you break out of codependency? Now, this has been something I've been working on. It's been two years. Yeah. Try for 40 years. I was a codependent person, a mess, an absolute mess. All of the hallmarks of codependent behavior, I had them, but I also had the trauma early in my childhood that I had to contend with. So my depression and anxiety started there. But then it became, oh, I need to control the environment around me because everything is always so unstable. There was always something going on. There was always fighting. There was violence. There was abuse. There was this. But there were also good times. But even during the good times, I didn't feel settled because I knew I just assumed something bad would happen. The doom and gloom. And so I was always tense. I was always nervous or I just couldn't leave the house at all. And I would sleep a lot and I was always sad and always wore a scowl and, and it, I was just a mess. And so now that I've broken out of codependency, I feel so good. I feel like a completely different person. I feel like a new person. I feel, I mean, born again. It's amazing. It's wonderful what breaking free of trying to control everything around you, of trying to be perfect, of trying to fix everyone, of trying to um, uh, relate to everybody, of trying to, you know, make everyone around you feel comfortable. Everyone's feelings you have to take into account how everyone feels about everything, about the way that you dress, about the way that you talk, about who you hang out with, who you date, who you marry. I cannot tell you how many opportunities, even relationships, I had to give up because it did not please my family, because it upset my family.
because people in my life were not comfortable with me because I was in this relationship or because I made this decision, this choice. I moved. I was uh, I worked in downtown Cleveland for the longest time, hated it, hated every minute of it. I made the decision to switch to downtown Akron, which I love, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Love it. You will not believe how many people sincerely, sincerely got in my ass because I wanted to move to a different office. One that was not close to my home. One that was far from where my kids went to school. One that would mean that means that I have to drive 40 minutes to get to work. Oh, how are you going to get there? How do you do that? Oh, my God. Why are you doing this to yourself? The guilt that I felt for so long, even now when I talk about it, I want to cry because all I want to do is live my life. But every time I tried to, to take a step in a direction, there was someone there saying, why? Why are you doing that? Do you know you're hurting your family? Do you know you're shaming your family? Do you know what you're doing to your kids? Do you know what you're doing to your mother? Do you know what you're doing to your siblings? Do you know what you're doing? I had to hear that so much all the time. I don't hear that anymore. I don't hear it anymore. Number one, people don't say it to me because they know they cannot get away with that with me anymore. And number two, when people do say it, I ask them why they're concerned. Do not concern yourself with something that does not concern you is the tagline here. Do not concern yourself with something that does not concern you. My life, my choices don't concern anyone but me. So that's who I'm concerned about, me. So when you break out of codependency, you don't have to hear people asking you, why? Why are you doing it? The why monster comes, you know, charging up to you after you've made a decision. Why are you wearing those shoes? The biggest thing for people like me who were raised in um, conservative religious environment was, why are you dressed like that? You're not in the masjid dressed like that. Oh, no, no, you can't wear that here. Or why are you standing on the men's side? Do you know how many times I've been <laughs> escorted out of a masjid because I refused to conform? Oh, please. Proudest moment was when someone told me to leave and I refused to leave. It's a house of God. Can't kick someone out of a house of God, but there were people who did it. And let me tell you, that is the dumbest, stupidest thing you could ever do. When people come into a house of God, leave them, leave them alone. Let people worship. Let people do their thing. You are not in charge of anyone but yourself. You are only in charge of you. <sighs> so once you break out of codependency, one easy way, in fact, to break out of it is simply to detach yourself from the people you care about too much. I know. I covered it. I covered it. That caretaker that you are, you're caring for the disabled person. You're caring for, you know, somebody else's kids, ladies. You're caring for a man, ladies. Or men, you're caring for a woman, you're doing everything for her to the point that she can't even drive a car herself. 
Now, please get on me for that. I love it. Please give it to me. Give it to me. Give me the heat. I want it. We care about people too much. There is a normal level of care and concern you give to a person. We give it to people too much. You need to detach. Relinquish some, if not all, control over them and start to focus on yourself. Concentrate on you. Yes, please. Jeffrey Osborne said it. And I know he was talking about the man concentrating on the woman, but I'm here to tell you that it also applies to you concentrating on yourself. Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Take care of your personal hygiene, your health needs. Date, participate in clubs, have hobbies. Be present in your life. Be present for yourself. Show up for yourself. Detach yourself from the people and the things you care about too much that you get lost in that are not fulfilling for whatever reason because all you're doing is trying to fix them and make them perfect and control them. It can't give you anything fulfilling because all you're trying to do is control it and fix it and make it into something that you think would be good. Let people be themselves. Let the chips fall where they may. Let the tongues wag, let people gag, whatever. Detach yourself. But a problem is that when a person who is controlling of others loses control, they cannot cope. They feel fearful, anxious. They cannot control the outcome of the behaviors and the world does not make sense to them. They like being broken and empty. It gets them attention. Again, the attention. But ultimately, it is not for the best. For all involved, it is better that we focus on ourselves and not seek to control others or be present at every story that does not involve us. If it don't, if it don't concern you, okay, yeah, let's get East Cleveland on it. If it don't concern, concern you, don't concern yourself. I saw this in a movie once. <laughs> the woman was like, don't concern yourself. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to use that. <laughs> don't concern yourself. You need to learn to love yourself unconditionally. Make choices that validate you truly without concern for what others may think of you. See now, because codependents take rejection hard. They take it as a reflection of their self-worth. Self you feel ugly, invisible, unloved, unwanted. Your worth is tied to someone's approval of you. And when they do not approve of you, you are devastated. You're not worthless, though. You're not worthless because someone rejects you. You do not, as Beattie says, have to forfeit your self-esteem to another's disapproval or rejection of who you are or what you've done. Hey, and if you did something wrong, then you take steps to rectify it. But you do not give up on yourself. You do not stop looking out for yourself, caring about yourself, loving yourself you do not shrink or disappear because you acted badly or inappropriately. The thing that separates us from the monsters is that we recognize we acted poorly and we do something about it. We learn from it, become better, improve. Practice does not make perfect. You'll never be perfect, but you will be better. Now, this is something that I hear quite a bit, and it just... I. I Sometimes people who are codependent will say, well, I'm an empath. 
And this is why I can't spend time in public because I just, people's energies, I just tap into everyone's energies and I pick up on it. And if something is negative, I just pick up on it. And I don't want to have any negative energy around me because then I'll pick up on it because I'm an empath. Listen, rarely will you find a person who can tune into and take on the emotions of those around them. Rarely. You're not an X-Men character, by the way. You're a codependent person used to being told that everyone's feelings about you should matter to you as if you could contort yourself to fit a thousand molds. So everyone's feelings, opinions, and plots affect you because you let them in, you crave them, you're drawn to them. You're controlled by them and in turn you become controlling of whatever you can. Your children, your partner, your friends, or You withdraw from society when you're rejected and you blame your absence on being an empath. You do not want to risk picking up energy that is negative. Good vibes only. Fuck your vibes, first of all. Listen, get through the pain of your former years, that inner child, And be a stable, well-cared-for person with no care or thought about the opinions of others on who you are or what you do. You're not picking up on others' feelings and taking them on because they have nothing to do with you. And even if they do concern you, guess what? You don't have to believe anything about yourself just because somebody said it's true. You don't have to. You have your opinions and feelings and you allow others to have their opinions and feelings without being entangled or feeling responsible for them. Detach. And for some of you, this will mean that you set boundaries with people you once cared about to a fault. You do not show up to their drama. You do not rescue them. You do not bail them out. You do not take their 3 a.m. calls. You do not fall prey to their manipulation. When you're working and they're calling and they're texting, you don't answer. You don't respond until you are ready. If you are ever ready. It means that you're not wasting time or energy worrying about others and their dilemmas. And the less worry, the more calm, the more calm, the more peace. Less depression, less anxiety, and more control over the part of the universe that is yours, you. Now, (laughs) if you're Muslim, so let me explain something to you about uh, my little corner of the world. Muslims, marriage in Islam is very important, very important. It's like one of the things people look forward to when they, you know, are old enough to get married. Oh, I want to be married. I want to have a wedding. I want to have babies. Listen, some people don't need to be married. And I'll just leave that there. Some of you do not need to be married. But a point that my therapist made, because I am not married, but I have been married. I've been married mainly because I did not want to be alone and because I thought that marriage would validate me would make me feel worthwhile, would make me feel loved, valued. It didn't do not one of them fucking things because you can't get your value and worth through another person. You can't. And if that person is abusing you, you really aren't going to get it. You're going to get something else. My therapist said that uh, 
When you're not married, you're alone and no one gives a fuck about you. So sometimes we form romantic relationships or friendships so that we will not be alone. So someone will give a F, which is really a poor uh, reason to be in a relationship. You don't get in a relationship so you won't be alone. So someone will care about you. And then we stay longer in these bad relationships because, again, I don't want to be alone. I can't sleep at night unless someone is sleeping next to me. Hey, get a dog. Get a dog. Get a cat. And your birds are nice. Bird will come out of the cage, fly into your room, land on your finger, talk to a bird, teach it a few words. Because guess what? You're not going to find your value in a bad relationship. You're not going to find your value in any relationship. You may find yourself and find that you don't like the person that you are. But your worth is not tied to anything external. Your performance at work, your performance with your kids. Your kids, you could, you could, you know, you could be the worst parent, the best parent. Your kids are going to grow up and do whatever it is they do. You could be the best employee at work and that place can still go bankrupt. Or you can still be told, hey, yeah, you don't smile enough. So I'm going to give you a two on your evaluation out of five. Okay. One thing you don't want to do ever is you do not want to internalize situations that have nothing to do with you. Again, don't concern yourself. You see, I keep coming back to that. Don't concern yourself with things that do not concern you. You want to break out of the nightmare of codependency because codependents attract narcissistic personalities. And this is what I'm going to talk about next week is narcissistic personalities. We hear this word all the time. People are using it incorrectly. People are applying it to everyone, people they don't like. Oh, he's a narcissist. This is toxic. That's toxic. He's narcissistic. She's narcissistic. No. Hey, some people, I mean, some people, you you don't like them and that's it. That's it. They're not narcissistic. They're not anything. You just don't like them. But narcissists are the most dangerous people and they prey on you. You're codependent. You'll latch right on like a barnacle to a butt, like a barnacle to the bottom of a boat. You'll latch right on and you'll just suck. And they'll suck the life out of you. They'll use you. So you don't want to be codependent because this is who you'll attract. You'll marry a narcissist. You'll work under a narcissist. You'll be friends with a narcissist. You need to take care of your mental, emotional, and physical health. Because at the end of it all, when the external bonds fall away, as they may or must, you're left with you. And if you're not at your best, then you cannot show up for yourself. And you shouldn't expect anyone else to show up for you. You have to be there first. How are other people going to get there if you're not there first? You have to be there. Then the other people come along. Once you break out of codependency, as I said before, This is the happiest I've ever been in my entire life. That internal happiness, that self-love, it replaces the need for external validation. 
Imagine you don't care about the opinion of another person on your life, your beauty, your action. You are happy. You love yourself. You don't need a rubber stamp that says, okay, on your life. Every time you want to do something, you have to call somebody and ask them if it's okay. Or what do they think? What do you think of this? What do you think if I do this? What do you think if I do that? Girl, why, why are you asking these people if they care what you do? Do it. Do it. Do what makes you happiest. Once you get to the point where you are not codependent, where you're not being preyed upon by narciss- narcissists, where you're healthy and stable, you want to do something, just do it. You don't need anybody to tell you it's okay. You don't need anyone at every step of the way. You're looking back to make sure the people are giving you the thumbs up. You don't need a thumbs up. Just do it. Do the things you've wanted to do. Now that you're finally caring for yourself, go the places you've always wanted to go. You want to cut your hair, cut your hair. You want to put hair in, add it in. You want to wear a wacky outfit? Please do. Crazy shoes? Go head on. You want to buy a sports car? Make sure you can afford it. Motorcycle? Bicycle? You want to join a gym? You want to become a a fitness trainer? You want to become an airline pilot? (laughs) I mean, there are so many things. The world opens up for you when you take care of yourself and when you open your eyes to all of these possibilities, when you're living your life for you. When you are living your life and only concerning yourself with your problems, only concerning yourself with your feelings, being responsible for yourself, taking care of your personal hygiene, your mental health, your physical health, focusing on you, concentrate on you. When you're no longer codependent, who is left for you to change? Just you. And you, ain't, you don't have to be perfect either. Don't try to make yourself perfect because you can't be. You can be better. You will never be perfect. You don't even have to be. You will drive yourself crazy trying to make anyone perfect, including yourself. It's no one's job to fix you. That is your job. Stop looking outside for others to fix you. Stop apologizing. Stop begging people to include you. Listen, you cannot fit yourself, your big self in someone's tiny pocket and be carted around like pocket lint or like, you know, mama, mama, I shrunk the kids or honey, I shrunk the kids and you make yourself small and they're like, oh, I'm going to take daddy to work with me today. Oh, dad, you want to come to school and put you in my pocket and take you to school? No. You can't fit into anyone's mold, anyone's pocket, anyone's anything, because you are big. You are wonderful. You are your own person. You are in your own body. You have built yourself up. You are happy. You are healthy. Or you're working on it every day. You are responsible for yourself, and you need to start acting like it. Because guess what? When you're 43 years old and you're miserable, you're depressed, you're anxious, you're doing all these things for people and no, and people still aren't happy, guess what? It's because you cannot make anyone happy but yourself. You know what makes people happy? Food. 
You ain't food. And with that, I say good night and be codependent no more because it's making you miserable and you deserve happiness. You deserve love, happiness, care, concern for yourself. And I'll see you guys next week. Well, I'll be around next week. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I will be recording next week's episode is on narcissism. If you have any questions about this episode or next week's episode, you can email me at ayanaexplainsitall at gmail.com. That's the show title at gmail.com. I accept submissions of questions or, you know, you want to insult me, go ahead. You have no idea how many times I get insulted every day. It really does nothing to me. But if you need to get something off your chest, go right on ahead. If it makes you feel better, go ahead. Again, I won't concern myself because it doesn't concern me. (laughs) You guys are great. Thank you. Good night.